Welcome to Burnout, a different kind of gap year podcast, a podcast focused on building knowledge, awareness, skill and support in recovery or prevention of burnout. Each month showcases either a guest who comes on the podcast and shares their personal experience of burnout to recovery or a knowledge based episode where an expert guest or I, a clinical psychologist, share skills and strategies to prevent or overcome burnout. The views, opinions, tips, and the like expressed in this podcast by myself or my guests are not a replacement for personalized therapy. Just like I have done for myself, I encourage those of you who are suffering to seek professional help. Have you ever been told you are sensitive or maybe even too sensitive? I have one too many times. If you answered yes, or even if you know someone who has, this episode is for you. Last year, I met this episode's expert guest, Becky Corbett, a registered holistic nurse and sensitivity expert. I was a guest on her podcast called The Gentle Living Podcast, where I talked about my sensitivity and burnout experience. It was through Becky that I recognised I am a highly sensitive person, HSP for short, and that being a HSP had contributed to my vulnerability for not only burning out, but the other mental health battles I've had since I was a young adult. It was life-changing for me. HSP is someone who has a central nervous system that is more sensitive to physical, emotional and social stimuli. As Becky explains in this episode, this can create many challenges as the world is not set up for someone who is HSP. Becky draws on her research and experience, both personal and professional, to help the listener you understand, recognise and respond to being a HSP and maintaining one's well-being. I learned, gained so much by sitting down and interviewing Becky and I'm certain you will too. Hi Becky and welcome to Burnout, a different kind of gap year podcast. Hello Shannon, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. My absolute pleasure and me as well. Uh, I've been looking forward to having you on to share the wisdom and experience that you have on this topic that you're sharing with us today, which is the highly sensitive person and burnout. So thank you so much for for agreeing to coming on to the podcast. (laughs) Oh, it's my pleasure. It's uh, something I'm definitely very passionate about. So I'm excited to reach as many people as possible. So this is a great opportunity. Yeah, yeah. And I remember uh, when I, I believe it was yourself who, who first got in contact with me for mm-hmm. uh, your podcast, the, the Gentle Living Nurse. And it was the first time really that this topic of highly sensitive person reached me. Uh, mm. <laughs> finding out about that. So, um, yeah, um, I know so many people uh, out there will connect with this topic and will find it really helpful. So, again, thank you so much. So, first of all, I suppose it would be really helpful to hear about Becky Corbett and the, you know, the holistic registered nurse and sensitivity expert, just in terms of your background, you know, what brought you to this topic? Yeah, just Mm. learning about you. (laughs) Yes, yes, very happy to. And uh, it's, I guess it's an honour to hear that you've learned about sensitivity through myself. Um, I'm always really honoured when people (laughs) say, oh, I've actually heard about sensitivity through you and it Mm. makes sense and I've been able to piece some things together. But ideally I'd like people in general to know more about this topic so that they can apply it to themselves as relevant or chances are people probably know someone in their life that does have the trait of high sensitivity. So yes, I'll give you a bit of an overview how I came upon this path. So yes, I'm I'm Becky Corbett, uh, also known as the Gentle Living Nurse. That's my business name. And I've been a registered nurse for, oh, I think it's, I'm approaching about 14 years now. Uh, And throughout that time, I've had what I like to call a bit of a colourful career. So I've been working across a range of areas throughout my nursing career. So 
the standard hospital, medical, surgical. Majority of my work was in pediatrics uh, and then in mental health. I guess I've always had a fascination with learning more about the human mind and health and well-being, behaviour. And I think especially because I have had a lifelong experience of anxiety and episodes of major depression as well throughout my life. So mm. I think that fascination has also partly come with trying to understand myself better. Mm. So this this sort of led me down the path of uh, nursing to start off with, but then I had that interest in mental health as well. So I pursued a degree um, and an honours degree in psychology really to learn a bit more about myself, but also to be able to support others that I was uh, coming across throughout my mental health work. I realised I sort of fell into mental health nursing incidentally, and I realised there was a lot that I really didn't know in terms of holding space for someone who's experiencing mental ill health or a crisis. So I really wanted to learn more about that and how to support people to develop strategies and change their behaviours. So as you know, Shannon, uh, the path to becoming a psychologist is a very long one. And initially my intention was to switch from nursing and pursue the path of clinical psychology, but I didn't get into a master's program after I finished my So instead I decided to think, to go and think, okay, well, where's, where's this going to lead me? So I pursued a bit of community mental health and I ended up working for about 18 months leading a program to support people with severe mental ill health to manage chronic disease. So it was more of a holistic approach, yeah. uh, which is something that I'm very passionate about. We are whole people. We're not just a facet mm. of mental health or physical health. We are a whole person. So in that program, I was supporting people to adopt healthier lifestyle behaviours, really, to manage their chronic disease. And I started that just before the pandemic hit, and um, but the majority of that work was through the pandemic. So working in a broken mental health care system with a lot of restrictions and limitations, I was working with people who'd experienced com complex trauma, and I didn't have... The resources to properly manage my workload and to support the people as best as I could. So, of course, you can imagine I became quite overwhelmed. I found myself falling back into quite a state of severe depression and anxiety. Around this time, I was also starting up my own business, uh, specifically for the highly sensitive person in healthcare and helping professions. So um, that's my business that I work on today. Yeah. Uh, but I just couldn't balance it all. And I had a huge burnout, which led me to quitting my job. I think I was similar timing to you, Shannon, we yes. spoke about last time. It was yes. at the beginning of 2021. Yes. Yeah, we share that day. Yeah, we share that time. Yeah, yes. I think it was a big time because it was sort of, yeah, there was that big year of the pandemic, a lot was going on, and then it all came sort of crashing to a halt. And after that, I yeah, quit my job and I took quite a few months off just to recover. And now I'm working in a role with a much better work-life balance alongside my business and yeah, Gentle Living, I provide information, resources and support for the highly sensitive person, which we will speak a bit more about today. Definitely. Oh, thank you so much for sharing, you know, a lot there in terms of your, your journey, both professionally, personally, and how they coincided as well. What is a highly sensitive person? What, what makes up this HSP, as we call it for short? <laughs> Yes, yes, good point. Uh, when I refer to highly sensitive person, I'll, I'll be saying HSP. It's less of a mouthful going forward. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but basically, so high sensitivity is a trait. So it was first coined by scientist and psychotherapist Dr. Elaine Aaron, who's based in the US. Uh, I believe it only really came to awareness around the 1990s or so. And it's it's really describing a trait with which people are thought to be born with. So similar to how we hold traits to have a certain eye colour or a hair colour, uh, it's just a trait in the way that our brains are wired. So it, it can, is considered a form of neurodivergence, neuro sorry, in which it's a little bit different to the neurotypical. When I say neurotypical, I don't even know if there's such thing as <laughs> neurotypical, but if we just think it's, it's just a little bit different to say the average person. It affects around 
20% or so a population and it affects men and women equally. I think that number's probably a little bit bigger. Uh, mm -hmm. I might be, might be biased because the work that I do, I come into contact with a lot of HSPs. Yeah. Uh, and it's important to note as well, sensitivity is very different to introversion or extroversion. So I think a lot of people, there's a misconception that if you're highly sensitive, that means you're an introvert. Mm -hmm. I think the majority of um, HSPs are introverts, but it does also affect extroverts so it's a completely different concept yeah and basically with the sensitivity what that means is it relates to having a more sensitive or highly attuned central nervous system so the central nervous system consisting of um, the brain and the sensory information that we get to make sense of our environment. So it's also the term that people might have come across is sensory processing sensitivity, but it's, it's all pretty much the same thing. So as we know, the central nervous system collects data from the environment. It gives us messages Sensitivity of this system means that as HSPs, we perceive the world in what I like to call technicolor. So everything is a little bit more vibrant. Mm -hmm. uh, things in the environment might be a bit more loud, might be more perceptive to smells, uh, tastes, noises, all those types of things. Mm -hmm. So we've got a lot of depth in terms of sorting our sensory information I know for myself, uh, sound and vision are really strong ones for me. So I'm very, very sensitive to loud noises like power tools or someone doing a loud sneeze <laughs> um, and bright lights as well is a challenging one for me. You often hear about that, or I have anyway, and I'm sure most people who uh, do identify as HSPs that you get this, oh, you're so sensitive. And, you know, yes, that, um, yes. And I suppose I had this lay understanding that it was that I was emotional and I was, I saw it as inferior, as, as, as a weaker thing. And, yes. and my definition or understanding of what is sensitivity and what it really means and what we're talking about here. Yeah, I'm glad that you say that because there is a lot of negative language around sensitivity. Mm -hmm. So growing up uh, or, you know, being in our own brains, we we don't know any different, right? So the fact that we are sensitive to these stimuli in the environment, that's just normal for us, but it's not until someone draws our attention to it and says, oh, you're too sensitive yeah. or toughen up or whatever it might be. So we start to get these negative yeah. stories that we then internalize and tell ourselves so mm. yeah it's not just emotional sensitivity that is certainly part of it as well but it's it's also just that sensitivity to the environment we've mm. got a really strong we can get strong emotional responses to things like the arts and, and music and creativity it's a whole different realm of things yeah how did you discover hsp it's funny because I don't think I ever had a groundbreaking aha moment where I thought, yes, this is this is me. I can't really pinpoint a time. I always knew that I was sensitive or I, I got a sense that I was a little bit different based on childhood. Um, mm -hmm. I was more likely to uh, engage in things, more creative pursuits, and I get lost in my books and I'd not be so interested in being noisy, a noisy child or anything like that. Um, but I think the language around it came to me while I was studying my honours in psychology and I was learning about different concepts and constructs. And coincidentally, I came across this term, I think, and I was actually, at the time I was studying a thesis on self-compassion and, and eating behaviours. And in that, going through lots of different research papers, as you do for your honours, yeah. I did come across this term and I thought, oh, that's really interesting. That sounds a lot like me because I think it was sort of around, I think you really get a sense that you are very different when you're perhaps in your teens and then it starts to really uh, get bigger. And I just, I just thought, oh, I'm just anxious because anxiety can coexist with uh, high sensitivity so I'd always just put it down to anxiety but I started to learn more about it then and I came across Elaine Aaron's work and ever since then I've just been diving into it learning as much as I could about it studying it uh, researching it and also uh, bringing the work around it to my business and my clients uh, and the clients you've seen because you've mentioned already that it's something that 
you see quite readily in, in your clientele that makes you think that prevalence rate of 20% is is a lot higher. <laughs> and, and upon reflection, because I didn't discover this, uh, I suppose, the terminology around the sensitivity, the HSP till, till yourself, till after I was seeing clients. But I can look back now and go, well, yeah, um, a lot of them. Yes. Maybe, yeah. I know you're starting to touch upon it there. Just some of the, uh, I suppose, challenges or vulnerabilities that people with HSP might come up against. Yeah, definitely. I think if you have, and not overgeneralizing here, but if you have experienced anxiety for a lot of your life, that can be one mm. uh, telltale, telltale sign or a bit of a vulnerability because it may just be and not diminishing the experience of anxiety in any way but it might be because you've been raised as someone in an environment that doesn't really suit your needs so Mm -hmm. anxiety like I said before is definitely a prominent coexisting condition with being highly sensitive because of the way that our nervous systems are structured we're very sensitive to our environment also yeah there's 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 quite a few challenges with being a HSP I think it's a beautiful gift but it can Mm. also uh, come with a lot of difficulties as well so some other things as well might be struggling with boundaries and saying no. That is a really huge one. I know for myself, it's something I still struggle with, and it's something that I work with a lot with my clients. We do tend to have a nature of being peacemakers. So we really want to make sure that our environment, the people that were around are harmonious. And to do that, sometimes we will turn into people pleasers and not assert boundaries or not say, when we don't want to do something or if something's not quite right for us. The other thing is also uh, sensitivity to the emotions of others. Uh, we can yeah. be really easily affected by the emotions of others. So especially if you're working in a career that involves a lot of contact with people, mm-hmm. so that can be in healthcare, you know, psychology, nursing. It can also be in hospitality, you know, where you might be having to come up against people that are quite rude that can really um, deplete the energy bring you down a tendency to withdraw as well because it becomes exhausting right when we're constantly uh, sensitive to the emotions and our environment we might have a tendency to withdraw and keep our problems to ourselves and just keep pushing through because that's what we've been taught we need to do Uh, and the other thing too is our energy levels there's they're a lot lower um, than say Mm -hmm. the neurotypical person so some situations can actually deplete an hsp's energy much more so than someone else. I know for myself, uh, going to the supermarket is a big energy drainer for me because I know it's finding a car spot, going in there, it might be busy, it's bright, it's stressful for me anyhow. I, I can relate to that one and I've actually, <laughs> um, I've kept up, you know, in the pandemic, at least here in, uh, I know in Queensland, I'm not sure in other states or, or countries, that we can do the um, order online and pick up. Mm-hmm. Doing that because they continue to offer it at my local uh, grocery store, and so um, and having understood uh, about the sensitivity with myself, I'm like, oh, that's a really nurturing act that I'm doing there because yes, yes. it's big sensory overload that is not necessary. You know, like this, I don't, I can do it this other way. <laughs> thank you to the service that is provided um exactly it's it's beautiful and and this could help other people i know it's a simple thing but it's it's something i can then not expend that energy on and i can use that in another Mm. area conserve yeah definitely yes no it's a good point i do click and collect now or have my groceries delivered because it's just if you can just save your energy Exactly. But like you said, oh, it was really interesting what you said there. We ha- we tend to have lower energy to begin with. So having awareness of that and the things that do take our energy and, and making changes where we can. Is, it, is there any other vulnerabilities that, that you wanted to share before we move on to the next? I think they're the main ones. It, it really just comes down to, you know, sensitivity in our nervous systems means that everything in the environment can be a bit more of a burden to us Mm. Um, and so yeah like I said it shows up in a different mental health condition but yeah I'd say they're the main ones I want to also like you already started to touch upon there there are strengths to 
being uh, or identifying with this HSP as well, you know? What what are those? Yes. What are the strengths? What are the beauty of this <laughs> as well? Yes, yes. I definitely believe that the strengths outweigh the vulnerabilities um, everything's got to have light and dark right and yeah. if I could choose and go back and reverse my trait of high sensitivity not be born with it I wouldn't choose to do so because I think it just it makes my world a lot more colorful so with high sensitivity people who are HSPs have a tendency to seek the deep questions in life. That's what draws a lot of people to the helping and healthcare professions. They want to learn a little bit more about human condition, human behaviour, how to help people a lot more. So oftentimes HSPs have strong empathy and emotional intelligence, a real ability to read other people um, they can perceive the energy in a room I'm not sure if you've had the experience of maybe walking into a room and you can just tell that maybe there's been a fight happen or something's not quite right no one needs to say anything but you might just feel oh this feels a bit strange yeah um, have you ever had that experience constantly <laughs> I was like oh it's probably my own battle but it's like I wish I didn't feel <laughs> but but at the same time <laughs> It's, yeah, but I have had that, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's a key thing, just being able to pick up on the energy in a room. And that can be in positive and negative ways yeah. as well. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So for that reason, I think HSPs make really, really great healthcare workers, teachers. They make really great people working with people. They make them good people people. <laughs> uh, they value relationships. So they're very loyal generally, very kind, very thoughtful. Having an HSP as a best friend is one of the greatest friends you'll ever have, I believe. They're yeah. not interested in the superficial or small talk I know for myself I just one thing I really cannot stand it drains my energy uh, are things like networking you know when you go to an event and you've got to go and make a small talk with people I yeah it gives me a lot of anxiety so things like that they won't really take advantage of other people either very very highly perceptive, intuitive. They make really good creatives as well. Got vivid imaginations, which can work against us sometimes. If you think of anxiety, might think yeah. worst case scenarios. But if we can sort of capture that strength of mm -hmm. imagination and put it into other pursuits, mm -hmm. uh, HSPs make really great musicians, actors, mm -hmm. working in the arts. They're very good at mediating conflict as well. They often look at forming beneficial solutions for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. They're having that strong sense of justice, um, a great care for humanity and the environment, also make fantastic environmentalists. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is that they're often very reflective and introspective, often keen to understand their role in situations. But, of course, that can sometimes be a vulnerability as well where it might be a little bit too introspective, so that then becomes taking a lot of blame. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> I mean, is there anything else along the the strengths? I mean, so much uh, there, and and so much beauty in it, and and something that I've been reading of late uh, about sensitivity as well as how valuable um, having them in, uh, having someone with uh, or with HSP in your team, you know, in, in yes. terms of that, what I was reading about that was that how they can often see problems or, or potential problems occurring in maybe the structure or the way things are, are being done and are able to provide that feedback and, and also solutions to those problems uh, going forward that maybe someone who isn't highly sensitive wouldn't normally see. So they were just talking about the the value of, of someone with HSP in, in um, workspaces in that respect. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's Definitely. really yeah. yeah. No, that's a really good point because I think that traditionally leadership or just work in general has been really masculine focused and sensitivity has always been seen to be a bit of a female dominant trait, yeah. although it's not. We've all got sensitivities to one degree or another. Mm -hmm. uh, and, yeah, if we look at the biggest leaders in the world or you know presidents of certain countries we yeah. can see that uh there hasn't been much sensitivity and so it hasn't really worked mm -hmm. out all that well and i think we're just sort of 
Yeah, there's a lot of businesses or organisations which continue to really uphold that whole masculine kind of leadership where it's very mm. authoritarian. But you're right, there are <clears throat> there are a lot of studies out there which are indicating the strengths of a highly yeah. sensitive person both in the workplace as, as your colleague or uh, and especially as leaders because, as I said before, they've got that real sense of justice and mm. a real genuine sense of wanting to find good solutions for everyone involved and having that uh, sense mm. of empathy too. Yeah. Yeah, no, certainly. I suppose uh, our, or not our, the our New Zealander ex-prime minister. Mm, yes. It's me right now, but she's a, an example of that non-masculine, more sensitive approach and leadership that she's demonstrated over the last yes. six her her as prime minister Uh that it works, you know, it works in leadership. Absolutely, yeah. And the fact that she could identify that, hey, it's time to maybe yeah. step back and and do yeah. something else because there's that whole, there's a, a sense of shame, you know, when you have to maybe step back uh, from something. And, again, it comes back to that whole masculine, got to keep going, got to really prove, prove who I am. But it's not, it's not proving anything really and it becomes quite harmful or detrimental to the people that you're serving. So, yeah. yeah I thought that was amazing, the fact that she could step back uh, and identify it was time to maybe take care of herself a little bit more. Yeah, which sort of like segues us into talking about like the highly sensitive person and and burnout because I know I don't think she used the word burnout. Maybe that was more media run, but that almost like there was a uh, she did talk about her levels of energy or something draining. There was something to to mm-hmm. think into that, but it just to that topic and I suppose first of all the connection between HSP and burnout like how often do you see or or I suppose in the research that you've done in the literature that people with hate or who identify as HSP actually experience burnout Mm, yeah again I might be a bit biased because I tend Mm. to work with HSPs but I've definitely noticed that there is a strong link between that sensitivity to the emotion of others and lower capacity with energy levels which then leads to the susceptibility of burnout so Mm. yeah using myself as an example uh, because before I even knew that sensitivity was a thing uh, I would just try and fit in with what the culture was push 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 um, especially within nursing it was sort of almost like a badge of honor you know if you if you'd had more than three hours or yeah if you'd had three more than three hours sleep the previous night and you probably weren't working hard enough you know so <laughs> um so we try and I guess camouflage ourselves to fit in with this system which it, I don't think it works for anyone not just the HSP but especially it's especially detrimental to the HSP so yes it is definitely a common problem because HSPs aren't balancing their energy levels they're not getting their needs met they're probably being overstimulated Mm. and it doesn't need to necessarily be in what would be considered a high stress environment you know I use my Mm. example as hospital nursing obviously that's a high stress environment but Mm. I know for other people they might work in a job which to the outsider might not look like it's necessarily stressful they might be going to work on time leaving on time uh, but still they're burning out and that's often to do with again uh, depleting their energy much too soon um, with with that sensitivity so other conditions that people commonly experience HSPs experience which might be showing up um, to indicate that they're burning out might be things like gut issues uh, chronic pain chronic fatigue is a big one I know it's a big one for me that I often need to watch out for Uh, menstrual problems is a big one Um, and immunity Um, people constantly getting recurring colds or constantly being unwell is often a sign that the nervous system is under a lot of stress so I I certainly wish I'd had greater awareness of my sensitivity (laughs) before entering into healthcare so that I could prevent burnout from even happening yeah it's really interesting and thank you so much for sharing that particular point about it doesn't have to be a highly stressful environment for a person who does identify with HSP to become burnt out because you because I remember you know in my role although a lot of people did perceive my job as stressful because well I suppose being a psychologist and seeing people you know with mental health uh 
presentations. Uh, and that was just their opinion of that. But in my world, I suppose in, in my psychology group, I was working, it wasn't considered sort of the high end kind of stressful side of things because I was working in private practice. I, I was mm. seeing, I did reduce down to five clients four days a week, but I was seeing six clients four days a week. I didn't work outside my hours, like, uh, uh, not much, um, you know, so it was pretty much like a nine to five job, mostly maybe eight to six. <laughs> if I put... <laughs> and I kept saying to myself as well, like, this is not all that stress up, you know, it, it, and again, I was comparing myself to other environments, probably apples to oranges um, rather mm. than, yeah. but anyway, like it, it doesn't have to be a highly stressful environment. It was more to do as you, you know, are enlightening us to, the sensory input and and it was the hearing the suffering that my clients yes. through and holding that empathy and that compassion and that space for them for me five clients was too much you know four days yeah. a week now with the wisdom I've gained since burning out yeah so really so and I, I, I think you've answered this question but another question I had here is how does HSP make someone vulnerable to experiencing burnout it mm. but yeah, I feel like you have answers, but yeah, is there anything you wanted to add there? Yeah. I think it's, yeah, sort of leading on from what you were saying, Shannon, around often if we're not working in what would be considered a stressful environment, mm -hmm. uh, that lack of awareness around that can lead to burnout because you might be, yeah, going to your job every day and everyone around you might be dealing with it absolutely fine and you think mm. oh everyone else is fine why aren't I and you sort of start to really dis disregard or dismiss your own experience and yeah. so that can yeah make you susceptible to experiencing that burnout it's not always necessarily to do with a fast-paced environment at all like you said it can be holding space emotionally for other people mm. or it might be that you're in an environment where you're under fluorescent lights and yeah. loud noises or having to talk to people all day or whatever it might be yeah 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 and also the whole difficulty saying no I know that uh during my hospital nursing years often would be short-staffed or someone will call in sick or or whatever it was and so I'd be on a shift and I'd get asked oh can you stay for a double shift which would be a 17-hour shift um, and mm. often I just I, I couldn't say no I felt bad I didn't want my colleagues to suffer I didn't want the patients to, I just mm. I took it on as my own it really wasn't my problem looking back on it now there are other ways of working around it it's more a management mm. problem but that difficulty saying no taking too much responsibility which then leads to you taking on too much it might not you might think oh yeah I can deal with this but yeah mm. often if you're already feeling a little bit tired and your gut's sort of saying oh I really don't want to do this it's mm. probably a no so <laughs> um, oh. being able to set those boundaries to say no yeah. Well, yeah, the boundaries and saying no, and you mentioned earlier, people pleasing, all those aspects mm. uh, coinciding with, uh, I suppose, those external aspects as well, like the light, the noise, that it can be, yeah, uh, a high demand uh, workspace without the resources, all those kind of things mixing together can make, you know, someone with HSP more vulnerable to burnout in, in, in that, that respect. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, uh, something I was thinking of there, but I've forgotten like my train of thought now around that. Oh, yeah, I was thinking as you were talking about the difficulty saying no. I also, in my research around burnout and my own personal experience of burnout, that perfectionism has played a huge role uh, in, in terms of contributing to experiencing burnout as well as my uh, the other health conditions that I've had as well, like depression, anxiety, with mm. that yeah, this, this unrelenting, and, and for me, it comes from within. It's not something that's been external and put on me by systems, but more from within that nothing's ever good enough, like uh, that I, I have or did have high expectations for myself and never celebrated anything. It was so unrelenting standards. I had to just keep going and yeah. uh, do better and, and usually measured up to some sort of ideal of what I thought a psychologist or or just me as a person should be doing and and how much that 
played into burning out because just no one can measure up to that kind of um, Mm -hmm. ongoing that I put on myself. But I was wondering in your experience with HSP, like if that, yeah, just anything about perfectionism because I was just thinking about that factor and how that might play if it does, Mm. yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Yeah, definitely. I think I'm not sure what the actual research around the link between perfectionism and say HSP says, but my what I would think anecdotally through working with people uh, who are highly yeah. sensitive is a lot of it does have to do with the sense of feeling different so and trying to fit in with uh, modern day life or a culture which doesn't really address our needs so it's almost as though and you could say the same I suppose with any neurodivergence where you feel this sense of pressure to keep up with what is considered normal um, and then by doing that you're trying to perfect everything you're trying to do things properly you're trying to prove um to yourself mostly that yes you can keep up you can do this uh so probably my take on it yeah like you're like you can't see but my mind has been blown because i'm like yes like i can see Mm. myself as well that because wherever there is perfectionism there is comparison and i am comparing myself to an ideal and our culture is more yes. aligned it isn't is not aligned to a hsp need at all it's that busy culture that well perfectionism culture if i could say that too you know unrelenting standards nothing's ever good enough you know but trying to keep up and, and push through and for someone who is uh, you know want for a better word but different to cultural expectations that that's just going to drive besides a lot of pressure and stress and anxiety but also shame uh uh, you know the shame towards self because I'm not you know I I can't or you know like I don't know if that's making Mm. sense shame is yeah yes yes it makes so much sense yes yeah yeah but a cult uh, yeah a cultural um problem you know that oh, for sure. outside of us and not saying because I suppose I've always seen my perfections well that's that's me and something I need to work on mm-hmm. and it, it, but it's linked to the culture that I live in that doesn't it doesn't mm-hmm. work what I need which I'm learning that I I, I I I can't do busy I can't do the busy culture I can't be in that you know even mm-hmm. I just even think now my decision not to have children as well which I know huge topic but like I was just like I, I it's not that I don't like children but I could not it would be too much it would be absolutely yeah. too much and yeah. I wouldn't be present in in the way I would want to be and, and that a child needs like is this just too much in, yeah. in stepping yeah um anyway look this is making sense you, you're blowing my mind <laughs> <laughs> no and it's great that you've had that realization too mm-hmm. because i think a big part of uh, understanding and embracing your high sensitivity is then learning about well actually it's sort of unlearning what you've learned yes. through living in an everyday society where we're told you need to do this or that to keep up you should yeah. be doing this it's then about, okay, well, actually, I'm going to set up my world and my environment so that it addresses my needs for a change. And so if having not having children is part of that, that's yeah. that's a really great and beautiful awareness to have that you realise that. And and I'm a similar boat to you. I just think I've spent a lot of time working in paediatric nursing, but for myself, yeah. I don't. I don't personally have the capacity to be able to to have children. It's not really something that fits in with um, my lifestyle and my needs. So, yeah, wherever you can, starting to set up your life in a way that's uh, nurturing to you. We've gotten a sense of what the hurdles and the challenges and, and uh, you know, that are faced for people with HSB and the beauty of it as well and the strengths and what we bring. But what do we need to be able to function in this world? I feel like we're, we're getting onto this topic here to help prevent, you know, burning out or, or any other health conditions that come with that or, or can come of that. From what you've yeah. experienced personally but professionally with your work with HSPs, uh, but also your knowledge and wisdom in the area yeah what 
what can we do, you know, to look after ourselves in this world? <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Such a great question. And this is pretty much the backbone of the work that I do within my business. So this is something that I work through with my clients um, and also the people that just engage with my work. So I think to start off with understanding what high sensitivity is mm. and how how you identify with it and then just beginning to once you've got an awareness of that you understand yourself a little bit more and understand hey it's nothing to do with you innately it's to do with the way things are constructed so it's then really about identifying what your warning signs are so what are the things that actually indicate to you that you're under stress or your nervous system is feeling burdened highly sensitive people can really fluctuate between anxiety being in this high stress state uh, mm. to then going into a deep depression because the nervous system can only do so much for a certain period of time until it decides to shut down as a protective a mechanism so that you can rest and retreat and recover your nervous system so things like um yeah beginning i would say that's sort of a later stage of um identifying that you're burning out is having that compassion fatigue or yeah. feeling that real exhaustion but understanding maybe what your warning signs are so whether you're beginning to withdraw a little bit more if you feel as though sleep is not really refreshing and you're just feeling exhausted no matter how how much sleep you're getting, um, appetite changes as well, just losing your spark overall and, and starting to link it with, okay, well, what's happened? What was the trigger that's gotten me to start withdrawing or what's sort of disrupting my sleep? What is it exactly? So that then you can identify, hey, how can I change this or how can I switch it to prevent it? So there's no one way really. It's Prevention is key, of course, but often we don't realise that there's a problem until you're in the depths of it. Yeah. And sometimes it can also take someone else pointing it out to you. So I know for myself when I've been in a deep depression, I've always said to myself, oh, it's not that bad, I'm okay. Other people have it worse. You know, the stories that we tell ourselves um, and it was my wife, Christy, that has pointed out to me, hey, I think you probably need to get a little bit more support at the moment. Ideally, uh, identifying it before it does creep in. But yeah. when you do have that acceptance of, hey, this is a trait, it can be liberating and it can be really fun to start to explore it because you can say, ah, oh, yes, it's my nerve. It's my sensitive nervous system. This is why I'm seeing the world in this way and understanding that modern day living is not good for anyone, but it's especially not good for the HSP. So as we've spoken about before, being more realistic with your energy expenditure. So maybe, and this is something that I do with my clients is we write down a list of what are your energy boosters? So what are the things that bring raise your energy so is it having a chat with a friend is it getting in nature is it music is it spending time alone having a nap all of those types of things that you need to recharge and then also looking at okay well, what drains your energy and these can be the simple things like I said earlier for me I know going to the supermarket if I absolutely have to go to the supermarket that's probably just one of the things I can do that day and then I need to take a bit of a break um, and yes. replenish my energy before going and doing the next thing. Balancing these out, simple things like you might have an appointment, that's another one for me. If I've got an appointment uh, with a doctor, I know even if it's a 15-minute appointment, I know that afterwards I'm going to be feeling drained. I need to take some time there. So, yeah, just seeing what works for you and just unapologetically, if you can, <laughs> beginning yeah. to embrace this. Um, is going to be such a beautiful way to prevent your burnout and notice when it is creeping in. It's, it's finding a way to work in the world, knowing and accepting or acknowledging that HSP is, is something that, you know, no fault to your own, we're born with this. It's believed, as you said, to be a trait and, and that we're living in a world that is not set up for that. So learning ways to work with that you know and and like mm -hmm. a, a lot simple but powerful method there that you do with your clients to list what are those energy boosters and what are the energy um i've forgotten the terminology drains drains the energy or depletes mm, yes depleters or drainers yep but yeah like uh it and that's essentially what i've been doing since really understanding is really mm. paying 
and after of course acknowledging that and embracing my HSP <laughs> because you know that that can be a huge step for people it can be that can be hard you know um to mm. but that's often yeah the first step and that second step to to work away uh to work with the energy that we do have um in a world that works in a different way that's not aligned with mm, mm-hmm. yeah the challenges of walking that to, uh taking that action too because like you mentioned earlier you know saying no you know boundaries not engaging that people please all things that we're going to need to uh unlearn uh as we take those steps uh, that look after our needs that work with the energy that we have so mm. that beautifulness of our hsp our hsp can be utilized i suppose yeah Mm. yes i am i feel like we've really captured the the essence i suppose of 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 hsp what it looks like how it shows up in the context of burnout you know what the vulnerabilities the strengths are and and even what uh the you know ways forward to work with that you know for those who are listening and and identify with it or can know someone because most likely you're going to know someone and can see that and have a a, a more richer understanding that now as well you know because yeah you might be married to a hsp you might be um working you might be leading or you know someone who in your team that is hsp uh so this could hopefully be really enlightening for for those people out there as well. Mm, Absolutely. And I always emphasize to to my fellow HSPs, make sure that you engage supports around you that are really, that that understand you and, or at least have a uh, want to understand understand your trait. Because um, sometimes I know that even going to therapy there might be some well-intentioned therapists out there who don't know anything about the trait and will often suggest to clients that they need to maybe be growing their capacity and and doing these things a bit more to just push through and overcome it which in some case not for high sensitivity but for other things you know with anxiety sometimes we need to push through their anxiety of say if we've got social anxiety getting out there and socializing more to overcome the fear but with high sensitivity the more that we push through the more detrimental it can actually be so it's it's really really important to identify that and to like i said create an environment create a lifestyle which is supportive for you yeah no thank you so much becky hearing you i'm like this is so helpful for me as a, a newly identified hsp but like <laughs> i'll be thanking you too and and just even yeah like i think for my fellow uh mental health professionals like yourself as well you know but but those you know listening uh who are from that profession too or people just working with people having this understanding could hopefully help shift and change and and help them delve into the research so they can when working with someone that they're like oh i think that they could be uh you know have this trait as well that they can change and mold the therapy or the approach to suit yeah with that awareness what's the biggest takeaway message i suppose that someone listening to this podcast that that maybe you haven't said already because there's a lot of great Mm. takeaway something that you want to leave the listeners with uh yeah 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 i would just say yeah and i've suggested this i or alluded to it is just to be simplifying your life not adding in any more but actually trying to take out things where you can uh there's a lot of information out there around productivity and and self-care and and i was I engaged with it for a while and I thought for a long time that self-care was adding more tasks. So I thought it meant getting up early, doing more exercise, meditating more, having more structure to my day. And for a long time, these things were just not working for me. They were actually burning me out because I was putting pressure on myself again to fit in with what the norm of productivity is. Um, So, you know, things like morning routines and how I was saying about setting up your day, 
try and simplify it as much as you can because it it can turn out that a a good thing um, can be too much sometimes so you don't be pressuring yourself to do all this stuff it's yeah simplifying where you can as we spoke about you know it could be just getting your groceries delivered picking them up how can you make your life more simple and that's that's sort of where my whole philosophy of gentle living has come in so yeah I hope that that is helpful Oh, that's beautiful. Simplifying our life, taking away things. Yeah, oh, beautiful. Becky, mm. I mean, please, uh, I know you've mentioned your, your business you know, uh, here and there throughout the podcast, but if you want to do a shout out right here now, I will leave your details in the information for the podcast. You've um, got the knowledge, wisdom, experience and personal experience and professional experience with HSP. So yeah, please um, mm. let us get in contact oh, thank you yeah well if anyone's interested they can reach me at www.thegentlelivingnurse.com um, or you can email me directly which is becky b-e-c-k-y at thegentlelivingnurse.com uh, i've also got a free self-soothing guide if anyone's interested so it's a, a pdf printout of just strategies and tools that you can implement in your day-to-day life to give you a sense of self-soothing. So self-soothing is really self-regulating to take care of the nervous system. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, Becky. Through my experience, I can say you're a very, very valuable person to get in contact with and very uh, easy to connect with and, and share. So it's been, I'm, I'm feeling very, very grateful that I got to uh, meet you. Mm-hmm. Certainly, yeah, jump on, check out Becky's work. Thank you again uh, from the very bottom of my heart. For coming on and, and sharing everything that you have today it's it's been enlightening for myself <laughs> uh, and I'm sure for others as well so thank you Becky oh thank you Shannon thank you so much for your kind words and your support it's been an absolute pleasure having this conversation I'm always really excited to get just this work <laughs> out to people in general so thank you for the opportunity uh, my absolute pleasure Thank you for listening to this episode of Burnout, A Different Kind of Gap Year podcast. If you found this episode helpful, please like or comment to let me know. Also, share so others can benefit too. To keep up to date when new episodes are released, follow us on your favourite podcast provider or subscribe at www.adifferentkindofgapyear.com. If you'd like to share your burnout to recover experience or you are an expert working in the field of burnout and would like to share your work on the podcast, please email me at a different kind of gap year at outlook.com. The views, opinions, tips and the like expressed in this podcast by myself or my guests are not a replacement for personalized therapy. Just like I've done for myself, I encourage those of you who are suffering to seek professional help. Thank you.